Expand and impact. Internal transformation for external impact. Achieve your goals without sacrificing yourself. I'm Violetta Znarkowski, but you can call me Violet. Welcome back to another episode of the Expand and Impact podcast, a space where we discuss how you can create a successful life that is an authentic expression of you and where we also explore the intersection between personal development and gender equality. How do you feel about procrastination? Have you ever thought about it before, about the impact it has in your life and how it shows up in your thoughts, emotions, and your behaviors? And have you ever considered that ambitious people still struggle with procrastination and everything that it involves, even if it doesn't look like it from the outside? There's this common belief that if you are procrastinating, it somehow is a reflection of your lack of motivation for life or your lack of ambition. And as someone who wants to do good in the world, who has a vision for themselves and goals to match, and who really cares about personal development and growing yourself, growing your career, and finding that internal emotional balance and richness, getting stuck in cycles of procrastination, especially if you identify as a high achiever, can be really confronting. Sometimes we procrastinate, I know I do, and I don't even catch myself in the act of procrastination because I'm so consumed with how I'm feeling in the moment, the overwhelm, and what I'm making the situation mean about me, about my capabilities, about my worth, that I don't even realize it's procrastination. And aside from work ambitions, procrastination can show up in a number of ways, like delaying calling a friend or a loved one, delaying making that next dentist appointment or doctor's appointment. And you'll hear my short story in this conversation about how I am one to procrastinate making a doctor's appointment, especially as someone who grew up in the U.S. where we don't have nationalized health care. And what I've discovered about the fears and the deeper layers of why I procrastinate in these different areas of my life, because there is always a reason why we are the way we are and why we act the way we do. Or in this case, why we don't act the way we want to and why sometimes it feels like such a struggle to reach out and take that step forward. Today's guest is going to help us unpack the nuance of procrastination because this is her area of expertise. Dr. Christine Lee, and I'm so honored to introduce you to her and so excited that she accepted my invitation to be on the show because as you'll sense, she is such a wonderful human who really carries herself with integrity and genuinely cares about helping others overcome and beat their procrastination while also being kind to herself and where she's at on her journey and how far she's come and where she still wants to go. I just pick up such a deep sense of curiosity and excitement for life, which is contagious and something that I think everyone should aspire to adopt and integrate into their lives, no matter where they are on their journey or how old they are. Dr. Christine Lee is a clinical psychologist in New York for more than 20 years and has been 
in the online space as the procrastination coach for the last 10 years. She helps people who are struggling with underperforming at work and at home to work smoothly and with high levels of productivity. Her unique coaching process is a blend of mindset strategy, time, and emotion management tips. Her work is guided by the deep belief in the power that we all have and possess as humans, where we treat ourselves with love and good self-care, and what opportunities and possibilities that opens up for us. Her coaching work was recently featured in Oprah's Favorite Things issue in 2022. Dr. Lee is also the author of the book, Five Minute Self-Discipline Exercises, Stay Motivated, Cultivate Good Habits, and Achieve Your Goals. And she is the host of the podcast, Make Time for Success. Now let's unpack the nuance of procrastination and get started, shall we? What informs your identity? Ah, that's a very interesting question. I would say that these days I'm very mindful that I'm crafting my identity myself. So I think what I'm learning at this part of my life, I'm in the second half of my life for sure. And I realize as I work with my clients and as I continue to develop as an older adult, that so much of my early experience was crafted for me mm. by formal education, by society, by community, by parents, by people who happen to be in my vicinity. And I realize now that the journey into adulthood, for me at least, has been about taking some of that power into myself and understanding that the creativity that so often is oriented towards the outside world can also be directed inward, that we can be so creative with how we see ourselves, how we carry ourselves, what we focus on, what we choose to create. And if you just spend a little bit of extra time and energy doing that, in the early part of the day, perhaps before you go to bed, before you say yes to a new assignment or invitation, that all of that intentional behavior will end up feeding you in the end. You don't have to see the yeses as uh, just more expenditure of my time, more things to drain my energy. You can see it then as feeding your identity, bolstering your confidence adding to your creativity and adding to your impact. So I think mm. as we become more and more mindful, more and more mature, as we fail more and more, oftentimes we get to craft our identity intentionally. So I think what informs my identity is in some ways the experiences that I run into, but oftentimes I'm guiding which experiences I'm allowing into my life these days. So I appreciate the privilege of being able to say I guide my own identity, but I also feel like that's part of my journey. You know, that was part of me recovering from procrastination where I felt like my time was not my own and learning how to regulate myself in a better, higher way. It's been a privilege I'm very lucky to have been given the space to take this time, be in therapy, read the books, mm -hmm. have the coaches, all of that. And I thank you for that question because that's fascinating. <laughs> mm. I thank you for your answer. It's 
really insightful. And also what I'm sensing is that you've experienced a lot of ups and downs in your life that have led you to a place of inquisitiveness to contemplate who you are and what does that identity look like. And you touched a little bit upon how your environment or your social conditioning maybe, and correct me if I'm wrong, had either stifled you or guided you in the beginning. And I'm curious to know how that shift happened for you, because it's a nice idea that, you know, we can recognize that we are conditioned or that we have certain beliefs, but to actually take action and change that and shift ourselves to a position of where we're actually um, genuinely leading ourselves and feeling confident in those decisions is harder to make. At least from my experience, it's definitely not the easiest to make that transition. And I see you as someone, you know, you've achieved a lot. You're a doctor, you're a coach, you are a psychologist for so many years. So from the outside, it looks like, yeah, you're a high achiever, you've done it all. And yet you struggle with procrastination or you have in the past. And you're mentioning that there has been quite the journey to get to that point where you stepped into your power and you reclaimed that. So I know it's a bit loaded what I said and any place that feels comfortable to answer that in a way that just, you know, feels intuitive. I'm happy to hear how that lands for you. Well, that's a wonderful prompt. And I think a really complex one as well. One thing that you said, I can immediately connect to because it connects with how I see the journey for other people as well. And that's the word reclaim, Mm. because I think there are so many coaches and so many teachers that you can gravitate towards, or maybe even be repelled by, but that everyone has a method, everyone has a theory. But I think one thing that I've realized from working with myself and my own energy and working with so many people over the years is that I've never given anybody anything that they didn't already have themselves. And I feel like it's my position, again, a privilege to be able to support people in the process of uncovering what they've forgotten or what they didn't quite get the opportunity to develop or what might've been squashed by pressure or stress or errant parenting or cultural or religious or sexual restriction, all the different types of restrictions that can be by trauma. And I think if we understand that everything we need is truly within us and has always been there, there can maybe be a lessening of the fear of, well, what is this leap going to feel like? Am I going to be endangered? Will I not be myself? People even ask before maybe trying a different medication. Medication is not my particular area, but I know this comes up a lot. Like, will I lose my creativity? Will Mm. I lose myself? And I don't think that I believe that that's possible. I feel like there's always something that's going to be core to you, your identity, but also how you run. It's just how you react to things in the world. How you process things is uniquely you. And I feel like that is a precious, precious, precious resource that we own, that we get to use. And sometimes we don't feel like we have access to use it so well all the time. Like we're afraid to talk in public 
or we're afraid to get on stage or we're afraid to change jobs or change partners or change attitudes. We can fear just about anything. And so I think when we realize, you know, it comes down to what is good for me? What am I going to be happy with at the end of the day? That it actually doesn't have to be that complicated or fraught, that actually it can be an easy transition. It doesn't have to be like the world is falling apart and we're hitting rock bottom and all that stuff. That said, some of the things that did help me to make the transition were some rock bottom moments where the stress was just so much. I was making myself physically ill with all the disorganization and the overwork that I was forced to go into because I didn't know how to regulate work and work time Mm. and other events in my life where I knew that there was something that I could access that would be easier, that would have to make things easier because my life was definitely not running in an easy way back when I was in graduate school and even in college, I had a great time, but I also stressed out more than a person should actually stress Mm -hmm. out (laughs) in those years. I can resonate with a lot of what you're sharing, Christine. And there is quite an age gap between us. And yet I resonate with my own work experience and life experience of pushing myself to those edges. And when I reflect on it, mostly I did it to myself. It's like, of course, we're born into these systems and there's certain restrictions that we need to either learn to fit into or learn to break out of and recreate in our own way. But I've also grown a lot from my rock bottoms and something that stood out in what you shared, which I'm feeling that it's really important to highlight is that it doesn't have to be so complicated. And that there's a human tendency to overcomplicate or overintellectualize every decision or every detail of our life. And it's almost like another protective mechanism leading with the mind. We're so focused in our school and our system and everything that we're thought that our cognitive ability trumps the wisdom of our body. And when we allow ourselves to tune in and slow things down, the answers are quite simple and the actions that we need to take are not as complex as we envision in our mind, which perpetuates this block to actually breaking through that barrier and creating the changes that we want to see within ourselves in our life. And I'm curious if you can speak a little bit more about that from your experience and maybe from your own life or what you notice in your clients of how that looks like and maybe some practical steps of what we can do to I suppose, move away from overcomplicating things and really coming back to what's simple and what's important as a pathway to bigger impact and change. Yeah. Wonderful prompt again. I think you nailed it in the middle there when you said sometimes it's really just kind of coming down and (laughs) deciding I'm going to get centered or I'm going to step away for a minute. I'm going to look inward. I'm going to calm my breathing. Perhaps it can be as simple as that. Really the simplest ways of doing things are really just kind of focusing, okay, what is in this moment right now? And when you clear out the clutter of what just happened and what is about to happen, your fears and your regrets, then you can just say, okay, what is needed from me right now? Not as a high achiever, not as a low achiever, 
not as anything, but just what does the circumstance need from me right now? And then we get to act without having all the expectations, all the old baggage, all the different hopes and dreams that we can put on ourselves and the tasks in front of us that really force us to feel like, well, procrastination is the only reasonable option I have because it's so weighty. It's so momentous. It's huge, like an elephant. And then of course we're frightened. We're frightening ourselves. And we really can say, you know what? I'm strong enough to handle what this is. I'm strong enough to take a failure if that's what's coming. I'm strong enough to experiment. I'm strong enough to celebrate the win. And that's always what we prefer, Mm -hmm. but it can't always be a series of wins. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think even the champions of let's say sports, I'm thinking of Lance Armstrong who had lots of emotional losses in his life because perhaps he was chasing all the wins in such an intense way. Mm -hmm. It's funny that I'm thinking about him right now, but really we do learn from the bottoms and we do have to regulate our pace. I Mm -hmm. I do think that's important. That doesn't mean we can't speed up sometimes when things are important or that we can't consciously really take it step-by-step and even have people around us wait for us because we need to do it that way. Mm -hmm. Right. I think part of what I'm saying is that we have to consider ourselves important enough for the journey. Mm. We can't just say, oh, this journey is so important, right? Getting that Emmy. It's my life's dream. I'm just making up a story. I don't actually want an Emmy (laughs) myself. That's not one of my goals. But that let's say getting an Emmy really was something that was on your bucket list and potentially something that you could do. You need to factor yourself in there, right? What can you do? How can you act? How can you emanate your own best energy to match the power of that status and that award and that accolade? Mm. It's the highest one probably you can get in that field. Yeah. And how can we elevate our performance, our energy, our mindset, our way of being so that that is a no brainer, right? Yeah. I I would imagine not being a a professional performer that for some, I'm thinking now Meryl Streep, where she can basically do anything and there's gotta be an element of fun and connectedness for her. It can't all be just a job. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It must be just kind of how she's living and being that she can get all the accolades, get all the recognition and be thriving in a very difficult job in a very difficult art to do. Yeah. Yeah, You're in the public eye. Your role itself requires a lot of you and even to shape shift from who you are and take on different personas. I have no experience with that, but I imagine that can get really confusing (laughs) of where you are in all of this mess. I love what you just said. Confusion oftentimes makes us think, well, we don't know what we're doing. But that's just, confusion is a temporary thing, first of all, and confusion is solvable. And if we scare ourselves too intensively and too quickly, we can lose our center. Mm -hmm. Really confusions is, is just like, okay, we need to think a little bit more, or we need to feel a little bit more into what we're doing or what we want or what is necessary. 
And confusion doesn't have to be the end of the road for you. I think that's where people procrastinate accidentally. They think, mm. well, this isn't meant for me. Let me try something else. Let me let me try to write another book instead of the one that I really thought I was meant to write, right? And if we kept jumping, and I think that happens, people can be jumpers in terms of what they feel they need to do. That might just be lack of completion. That might be procrastinating on just learning how to finish what you start, mm -hmm. right? Not everything is going to be a masterpiece. A wonderful professor of mine a long time ago took the time to teach my class that our dissertation doesn't have to be our magnum opus. And I will never forget those words because it set me on the right course mm. to finish my dissertation in a timely way that I didn't have to stress and strain and sacrifice another couple of years mm. just because I think my dissertation has to be the be all end all. It's generally the first piece of work that you put out into the world, not the last and yeah. maybe not the best. And so I was glad I had someone who cared enough about us to say, don't do this to yourself. Don't strangle yourself with this sense that this is such a weighty process. Yeah. What I'm hearing, this is with what you just shared and also taking back to a couple moments ago, three things that you are important. You are important to be considered on this journey and that your needs are just as important as the ambitions that you set for yourself or the people that you are considering and showing up for in your life. Pace is important in how you do things, especially when you're noticing yourself getting emotionally overwhelmed or confused because everything around you is feeling like it's moving really quickly to give yourself enough space so that you can be that eye in the storm. And learning to ground yourself when life inevitably does become stressful, when life inevitably does become busy, because at the end of the day, unless we're a monk meditating in the Himalayas in a cave, having every need of ours met for us, the reality is we cannot live a stress-free life completely, but we can learn to stay rooted and grounded even when things are moving quickly around us and we're feeling confused or overwhelmed. And I'm wondering if you could shed some light. I'm really curious how this looked for you because you coach on procrastination and how to reclaim your productivity without depleting yourself energetically and while still considering your whole life and how success looks for you and your well-being and your mental health at the center. And I'm wondering, because to me, you are ambitious. You finished your schooling. You became a doctor. And how can procrastination and ambition coexist? I think it's a fallacy and a common fallacy that people believe that procrastination must indicate a lack of motivation or ambition. Mm -hmm. And I think that is why there's so much shame attached to the act of procrastinating or being perhaps tagged as a common procrastinator, as someone who often procrastinates. And I think that's 
why it can feel like such a curse to be caught in that cycle, because it's just when we're procrastinating that we need the most help oftentimes. So that's why I keep getting on podcasts and trying to <laughs> talk about it just so that we yeah. can develop a language around it and develop dispel the myths. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Dispel the myths because it's an easy one to think, right? Oh, that person stopped working. They must not care. But what I have noted, and this I can say with 100% certainty is that all the people who come to me complaining of difficulty with procrastination, they're all very motivated, ambitious people. Mm. And I have never once in 20 years seen someone not be able to do the work that they were having difficulty with. So it's never an issue of ability either. So it's not in intelligence, it's not potential, it's not level of training or experience. It's really the emotional barrier that mm. has become for whatever reason or multiple reasons too much for the person to bear or face or withstand. And we've all been through situations that we have not been able to bear or withstand or tolerate, not just procrastination ones. So it's a human experience to feel fragile and to feel frail and to feel vulnerable. But I think we don't have to, I guess, discount the procrastinators because procrastination is just a temporary behavior. It's a coping mechanism that sometimes isn't the best choice, but it's not a statement of potential ambition, talent, intelligence. And that's basically my mission to get out in the world. So thank you, Violet, for being so wonderful at capturing all the different pieces that I have been trying to communicate. I think you've got a great brain. You're very centered and you've got great questions. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much. I'm going to receive that. It's really difficult for me to receive compliments. It's something that I'm still learning on my own journey, but thank you so much for that acknowledgement. You're welcome. It's true. Thank you. You mentioned in your last response that there are some myths to dispel about procrastination and that many of your clients are really motivated and capable and are even on the path to fulfilling their potential and have that vision that they're being led by. I'm wondering if you can share what are the qualities of procrastination so that we can dispel the myth further that to procrastinate means to be lazy or to fail? And what I'm picking up is perhaps even in your own journey, it may be connected to perfectionism, to doing things optimally and perfectly, but I'd love to hear your take on it so I'm not just throwing in ideas or putting words <laughs> that yeah, may no, not be true. You've got all the right ideas. In my way of seeing things, perfectionism is a subset of procrastination. So procrastination is the very large umbrella. Perfectionism is one variety, like a flavor mm. <laughs> of ice cream. Procrastination is the ice cream. And perfectionism is a particularly toxic variety of procrastination. I think oftentimes procrastination mm. is actually fairly harmless. It's kind of like we waste a couple of moments or even a couple of days, but then we get back in the game and we're ourselves and then we produce the product. With perfectionism, everything becomes toil and mm. trouble and stress because even if you manage to do something perfectly, the very next thing that you have to do also needs to 
rise to that level, maybe even more so because you've already performed perfectly. I'm thinking about gymnasts where Mm -hmm. they're so in the public eye, everything is rated. Really, it feels like when we're watching as audience members that only the highest scores matter or will help and that everybody's well-being is attached to that score, the entire team, the country's identity. It feels all too much to bear just as an audience participant, let alone a well-trained and committed gymnast. So perfectionism can be really tough. And I have seen that perfectionism is oftentimes the result of, I think, some dysfunction or disorder or chaotic factor in the early childhood environment where perhaps there was a parent who was an alcoholic or abusive in some other way where the child then had to act just so, mm-hmm. so that their role was fulfilled so that the family remained as stable as possible when possible. But then they learned, well, that's my identity. That's my role for all time. And that's how perfectionism can really be a chain where it can limit people's potential because they're only thinking about the quality of their work as opposed to what quantity or where can I branch out and can I break through this role and play other roles like Meryl Streep does? Can I just be a a multifaceted person instead of just the person who's from my family who does everything just right? Mm. So I do think perfectionism is definitely hand in hand with procrastination because there's fear when we're wanting to be perfect. I always joke that sometimes I'm serious too, that I'm not (laughs) much of a perfectionist because I'm another variant, I think of the procrastinator where I feel like I'm more the disorganized, can't get it together. Me too. (laughs) Have difficulty being on time kind of person. So you get it. And we're a big bunch of people, right? It's not just the two of us. There's a lot of people who are listening and who are in this world with us. And we come by it honestly. I don't think anyone starts a day thinking like, let's be disorganized today, right? It's never the wish, but sometimes it's the style, right? We do have genetic inheritances. I do think some of this is genetic. And I think if we weren't different from each other, life would be so incredibly boring. Boring. Yeah. So boring. (laughs) So boring. And so we need someone to be late sometimes, right? We need someone to tell the story as they're rolling in and looking frazzled. And I certainly (laughs) was that a lot for other people when I was growing up. And there's so many different styles of procrastinating. I think that's what makes my job continually interesting because we're each very creative Mm -hmm. with the ways in which we choose to hold ourselves back. Oftentimes it's not even visible to other people, right? It might be a thought that is trapping you. And you know this because you're a podcaster, you're a thinker, you're a leader, and you've struggled with procrastination yourself, right? And sometimes it doesn't make any sense, but it's this one thought that stays with us until we decide, you know what, this project is more important than the thought, or, Mm -hmm. you know what, I'm really bored with myself when I think this thought over and over again, and I keep feeling like I've stubbed my toe a hundred times. Like after the hundredth time, you start to think maybe I should protect my toe. So we have ways of naturally healing from procrastination, but I do think I'm here for the people who just feel like they're doing it in all different areas of their life. 
right? From brushing their teeth to paying the taxes mm. to calling the doctor for the annual checkup. You know, sometimes it yeah. becomes a lifestyle and it can really be very, very costly and painful when you're in that spot. Something that came to my mind as I was listening to you share all of that is my own experience with procrastinating when it comes to like dentist or doctor's appointments. And I live in Australia now, so I have Medicare for the first time ever, <laughs> really, <laughs> compared to when I grew up in America. And I realized some time ago that my procrastination with um, simple things like prioritizing my health and well-being was really connected to my experience with money and the American Medicare system and how expensive going to the doctor was. And I'm a first-generation American, so my parents have immigrated to America. So there's even more, I guess, nuance and complexity about our relationship as a family to money coming from Poland. My family's from Poland, so immigrating to the United States. And I remember when I finally went to the doctor here in Australia after I received my Medicare card in the mail, I was recovering from a knee injury and I just gave them my card after some like ultrasounds and x-rays and they were just like, yeah, you can go. And I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> They're like, no, you're, you're done. Like we have your card. We don't need anything else from you. And I was like, you mean I'm not going to go bankrupt? <laughs> and in that moment, the bubble burst and procrastination with that sort of stuff became less. And I wouldn't say that I don't procrastinate because it is definitely many years of not prioritizing my health in that way unless it was absolutely necessary. But it's gotten better. And it was just this newfound awareness around why I procrastinated prioritizing my health. And there was, of course, like some self-worth involved in that too. Like, am I actually worthy of thinking of myself? Is it worth it to spend money on myself unless it's absolutely necessary? And I'm wondering, because something that I know you speak on a lot is mindset. And mindset, from where I sit and the way I think about it, can also be one of those things that there's a lot of maybe misinformation about like what is a good mindset because a lot of high achievers have a great mindset. They don't need help being motivated. Even if they're procrastinating, eventually they will kick themselves into gear, even if it's at the last second of the deadline. And yet that mindset of pushing yourself to that edge isn't helpful and can be toxic and can bring about a lot of even disease, a lot of dysregulation within our system. Would you be willing to shed some light on what is a good mindset? What does that look like? What does that feel like in thought, emotion, sensation, and specifically through the lens of procrastination? That's a tough question because I feel all of a sudden, like a little bit of imposter syndrome, like who am I to, to answer this question? I will just give you my version. And I think that's all you asked for. I just yeah, felt of course. that imposter syndrome kick up a little bit there. And I would say maybe I'll start there. Honesty is a great avenue for structuring your mindset, right? Really understanding how you're feeling and being upfront with it and not feeling like you need to hide things. I think so much of procrastination is hiding, being in the shadows, being isolated, being mm -hmm. under the umbrella of shame and covering yourself and feeling like you can't emerge. 
And so honesty and openness with who you are and what you're doing and what your choices have been and the mistakes and the wins both hand in hand, like one hand, you have the mistakes and the other hand, you're like, oh, you know, I'm pretty good at this as well. Mm. That's a good mindset when you feel flexible. So I would say maybe flexibility is another value there that you understand that things change and that you're not always going to be the same identity, even day to day, Mm. you might change tomorrow just because you met someone beautiful over a podcast and they helped you to really dig deeper into something and that you move on in a different way after that. So flexibility, honesty, I mentioned a couple minutes ago in our conversation, being present focused is very Mm. healthy. I think for the mindset where the mind is allowed to focus and hone in on what is necessary of me and my skills and my ability and my senses in this very moment, right? It might Mm -hmm. be this humongous mountain that we have to climb tomorrow, but today, what do we need to do? What can we do to prepare for that mountain tomorrow, right? We don't worry about the mountain quite yet. We're not there quite yet. And I think it's okay to compartmentalize our focus because it saves our focus. Mm -hmm. We don't have to be thinking about all the things. Another characteristic of procrastination is oftentimes overthinking, rumination, thinking the same thought over and over again, the what ifs, what if it starts raining and I can't drive the car and I'm late. Well, what if that happens? It's okay. You'll have to explain yourself and you'll have to dry yourself off, but it will still happen, right? So not terrifying yourself is another healthy way to have a great mindset thinking, you know what, no matter what happens, I will survive this. That's the baseline expectation. It's a very reasonable expectation. So let's adopt instead of a vulnerable attitude, let's take the mindset that I actually have superpowers that I want to expose to other people so that they know they're not alone Mm -hmm. and that they know they have superpowers to dig up as well. You can do that to your mindset. So you can actually construct your mindset as well. You're making me think that as I'm spouting off my ideas here, that flexibility is a really fun way to use your mindset to not just stay rooted in what other people are telling you, but to use your own wonderful creative brain to come up with some additional responses. It's okay. We're all playing. We're all playing here on this. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. We we call it work, but a lot of work is just play also, right. Taking your lunch break, driving home, listening to a podcast. Life is a lot about playtime. And sometimes a mindset is saying, you know what, I'm here for this. Mm. What I'm picking up in your response that I really appreciate is the flexibility part, which ties back to allowing yourself to be multifaceted. And a component that I'm picking up that we haven't directly named, but that I'm sensing can be important to kind of this whole concept is learning to trust your voice and your ability to recover from whatever situation you find yourself in. And also developing that confidence within yourself to not show up in a specific way of how you think you should. And I'm thinking right now, you named some examples of celebrities and high performers really and I'm thinking of a friend who is really animated and she talks a lot and she's animated and has all of these amazing stories to share 
And she doesn't feel safe to show that part of herself in all situations and in all social settings. And that's something that I think many of us can resonate is, will I be accepted if I'm late or if I show this side of myself? How will people receive me? And I'm wondering if you have experience with yourself or your clients of breaking through that mental hurdle because it starts maybe as a thought, this fear, and then the actions come up and then the emotions, the overwhelm, and suddenly we're overcome by our experience and we struggle to identify what's the most simplest and proactive action I can take right now to take one step forward instead of focusing on the big picture, which what I'm understanding is a contributor to that procrastination is having an awareness of everything around you and struggling to focus on something simple that's right in front of you instead of everything around, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I have a couple of responses to that. One is First of all, simplicity can really be helpful, right? For coping. So if the mind just says, okay, all she needs to do is step in the doorway and greet the first person, it makes the whole affair a lot easier. Then what were my other responses? I think just simplicity is okay. I also like to train other people that nothing matters. And I get a lot of kickback from that because we all want to believe that everything is so important. (laughs) So, but I'm pretty okay with the idea and the concept that really nothing matters. I couldn't agree more. understand that, right? I'm glad you do. Because it really is a helpful brain trick to (laughs) remind yourself, oh, you know what? The thing that I am getting all worked up about, it doesn't really matter in two weeks, maybe I won't even remember this moment even happened. Mm -hmm. And that's true of pretty much everything, really pretty much everything. And when you have that mindset, it's really hard to get really worked up about a lot of things. And you should allow yourself to get worked up about some things because that's an indication. Oh, I need to be on my game here. I'm thinking maybe one day I'll do a Ted talk and I'm thinking I'll be there. (laughs) Thank you. That'd be amazing. Well, I'll come to Australia to do it, right? Yeah. And that, and you'll do one with me, right? Oh, I'm doing one. It's on the bucket list, Christine. It's it's going to happen. Good, good, good. Excellent. (laughs) So the, my perception of that is it's a lot of preparation. It's a lot of disciplined work to prepare for that, but maybe my nervous system will be a little agitated or hopefully heightened in a good way, but If it's not, I would understand that because I would think this is an important step for me to fulfill and to prepare for. So let's get a little excited about it. It's okay. Right. Mm -hmm. So don't abuse your nervous system. Right. If you say, I respect myself, I'm not going to terrorize myself and put myself through this just because it's a habit of mine. And just because I think this next thing coming up is pretty important and meaningful to me, I'm going to consider it meaningful to me and allow myself to be kind to myself in the same moment. These things can coexist, Mm -hmm. right? It's a fallacy or a myth that we have to get stressed out over everything. Mm, I love that answer. And something that I know in my journey was really pivotal was losing my sense of importance, which was like a huge shell when I had that kind of awareness and aha moment was 
actually, nothing's that important right now. I'm not that important. I matter. I have a right to my experience, but I don't need to assert that in any type of way or seek certain validation or respect because it's not that important if it's disrupting my inner peace. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing that you mentioned that I'd like to bring to the surface is this idea of being kind to the response of your nervous system and at the same time allowing yourself to challenge your own boundaries and to be maybe a bit anxious, a bit nervous and feeling that charge or that stress come up within your system, within your body as a way to normalize that, just pushing that boundary little bit by little bit until maybe it's not so scary. And that's something that I know I see with the women that I work with. And it sounds like maybe either like intentionally or as like a passive byproduct of the work you do too is helping others expand their window of tolerance within their nervous system to find comfort or direction or at least stillness and space in those things that previously felt overwhelming and like they were controlling them or like it was controlling yes. them. Yes. You said it beautifully. I absolutely agree with you. It's oftentimes very small step followed by another very small step and adaptation, right? We learn to adapt to things. It's a process. It's not oftentimes an automatic adaptation. So we need to be patient with our bodies. We also have to remember to keep our thoughts really clean, really straightforward and simple and patient and non-calamitous. We we don't want to be creating drama when we can avoid the drama. I always say, save your drama for the movie theater, right? Like get, <laughs> get involved in the romance stories, right? Or the sci-fi or whatever floats your boat, but don't do it to your nervous system. I agree with mm -hmm. you. Yeah, really, really learn to have peace in your heart and calm in your heart. It's a great productivity trick. Mm. How can we be productive and well-rested? Before I ask that question, I do want to just name one thing that you just shared about the piece of it takes time. And I really appreciate bringing this to the surface because we live in such an urgency culture. And, you know, like when it comes to marketing, we're both really wanting to help others and have an impact. But at the same time, like we're thinking of marketing and what sells and building a business, like how do these things come together with integrity? And what I notice is one, urgency sells. That's true in marketing, but also this desire for quick fixes that can actually be really destabilizing to the nervous system. And I couldn't agree more with you when it comes to really embodying leadership in your life, really embodying change. It's a process. It takes space. It takes time. It takes pacing for it to become a new identity instead of forcing your way to a new identity in a way. I'm, I'm not sure if that makes sense the way I'm saying that. <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, it does. It really is that the value is oftentimes in how much time that it might take you to mm. do the shift and to know that any effort that you feel you need to put yourself through, that's going to be valuable because you're valuable, right? You're inherently valuable. 
And I do believe that the choices we make, they're not accidental. When we choose to procrastinate, that's not an accident. It's because we need to, or we believed we needed to, right? And it's okay to change our beliefs. And that's something we need to be patiently okay to learn about as we're doing yeah. it, right? Then when you get it, oh my God, you feel like a change agent. You feel like you can change other people's lives all of a sudden, right? You feel like you can withstand the pressures of being an entrepreneur. It's okay. It really is okay. Mm. Something that is resonating deeply with what you said is this, like within the whole process of combating procrastination and being more productive in a well-rounded and healthy way is also giving yourself permission that if you're being present and aware of it, there will be that time where you're ready to make that shift. You're ready yeah. to adopt that new mindset. You're ready to step into that persona. And that, like you said, there's a reason why you're procrastinating and there's a reason why you're making the choices you're making or even why your physical body is responding with certain emotions and certain thoughts that can be ruminating. And that if you're aware, taking the steps, taking good care and being mindful of it, there will be that moment where like in the snap of the fingers, you'll just be ready. And something that maybe you've been working towards beating or overcoming for a year just slips away overnight because there's a part of you that's now ready to let it go, let the procrastination go or step into new layers of worth or confidence or whatever it is for your goal, however that looks like in your life. And I'd love to hear also, since we're on the topic of productivity, how can we be productive and also prioritize our rest without feeling the guilt to keep working and keep moving forward and kind of getting stuck in that like procrastination, burning out over productivity. And now I know I need to rest, but how do I rest? I don't have the time. And like all of those thoughts that we're not alone in. Can you resonate with that? Have you ever had that be your experience? I think for decades. <laughs> okay. So then Actually, we're not alone. <laughs> so though, yeah. yeah. So if we You're resonate, that means not the alone. Yes. Yeah. So the listeners yeah. also, there's people out there that would resonate with that. <laughs> so sure. I would say, again, you mentioned the clue when you were describing the question, and that's when you said the guilt, right? And mm -hmm. you said, how can we be productive while also maintaining sleep and self-care without feeling the guilt? And the answer is you don't feel the guilt, right? Guilt is the complicating factor. Guilt makes us feel like we need to sacrifice the sleep or we need to terrorize ourselves, or we need to feel badly about what we haven't done, which then keeps that cycle churning and burning. Mm. And if we just remove the guilt at the beginning, even before our efforts begin, that will save so much time, energy, and focus. You won't believe it. You will feel such a dramatic difference. And I get pushed back on that tip as well, because people will say, well, how do I just get rid of this guilt that I felt my entire life? It's just part of my work process. I just want you to just try, right? Experiment mm -hmm. with working and focusing without entertaining those thoughts that will come through that say, 
you know what? You didn't try hard enough. You know what? This is faulty. You know what? Your argument doesn't hold water. This is not ready for publication. Whatever you're working on, whatever you're feeling guilty over, right? I didn't wear the right shoes today. It could be anything. And if you just get out of the habit of criticizing yourself with a brutal or hypercritical tone or judgment, and you just allow this present-minded, kind to myself and aiming high for my ambition that I do have naturally, you're going to find your work process is going to go much more smoothly. Mm -hmm. You're not just going to generate more and be more creative. The whole process is not going to be interrupted by these fears and these guilt thoughts and these syndromes that Mm -hmm. we can get into when we're procrastinating, right? Whole swaths of time will go by in between starting, stopping, starting again, stopping again. And you could just eliminate all that. If you decide, you know what, it's me and the deadline, and I'm going to figure out the fastest, most brilliant strategy to get to the finish line with the product that I want, which the product that I already know in my heart is in me. I just need to release it. That's it. Mm. What I'm picking up is consider your environment, maybe even those small changes in your environment and really noticing how you're responding in thought and emotion to where you are. And would it be helpful to maybe change your environment? Would that impact your procrastination? I know it does for me. I know every time I notice myself sitting in procrastination and a task that would have taken 15 minutes, I'm ruminating over for four hours and just getting myself anxious and feeling guilty about it. The moment I change my environment and just completely stop what I'm doing and get some space to just decompress and maybe even like go for a workout, go for a walk and allow myself to do that, like you said, without the guilt, because that's what I'm sensing I'm needing and really focusing on meeting that need then I can go back to the task and finish it way faster with a newfound focus. Like you mentioned, the whole process gets smoother. And I understand how people would push back about letting go of the guilt. And it's something that I explore in the work that I do as well. And it's interesting because in part, there's like this duality. It's like, yes, you have the control to let go of the guilt and then The second part is like, but there's a part of you that feels like it isn't safe to do it. And it goes back to what you said, maybe in the middle of our conversation is there's always a reason why it is the way it is. And perhaps there's a belief. And if we can just remember that, we can allow ourselves to be more gentle. And naturally, our thought processes start to evolve and they start to be more constructive because we're having a newfound understanding that actually it's not you, it's not me, but there's a reason for this. And if there's a reason for it, then I actually have the power to change it and I can learn to change it. And this is why I think it's so important to seek help. And I wonder if you would agree with me because I've never actually shared it in this way on the podcast or anywhere, but I think there's like this prevailing notion that we need to do everything on our own, especially as a child of immigrants. That's something that was deeply ingrained in me is don't spend money if you can do it yourself, for example. And even, you know, we are more inclined to spend money on like a business coach or 
like different products or softwares or vacations that are going to give us these like more tangible results, whether it's like revenue, whether it's, you know, a nice car or I don't know. I'm not really great at making up colorful examples. It's a work in progress for me, but we're less inclined to spend money on support for things like procrastination because there's this belief that it should be easy to break it ourselves. It should be easy to just know what to do. And yet all of these things that should be easy are holding so many of us back and are making us feel like we're alone in the journey and really struggling. And where did you learn that it should be easy? Like who told you that you should know how to beat procrastination on your own or that you should know how to rest even? You know, that's a big one. It's like it should be easy to relax. Should it? Where did you learn that? Because everything in our society and our conditioning is actually pointing to the opposite. And so these like seemingly easy things actually are required to devote some time, energy and resources to fully come to a place where you are self-led, where you can do it on your own, but maybe you won't do it on your own right away. Yeah, we need to have patience for ourselves in all the areas, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? And even with the cultures that we come from, yeah, that there are going to be uh, ideas that we are taught that maybe we end up disagreeing with because we have the benefit of a new cultural landscape mm -hmm. and therapists that are available, coaching that's available to us, different ways of using our monetary resources. Yet another example of how flexibility can really be beneficial, right? Mm -hmm. We don't save our money to reduce our flexibility. We oftentimes are taught to save money so that we have flexibility. We have calm financially. So it's part of growing up of, of really deciding like <laughs> how, how am I going to, as an independent operator, really, mm -hmm. when it comes down to it, no matter what culture we're in, we're still independent operators. How are we going to use our resources in a way that really suits our aims, our goals, our highest needs and our highest selves? And that's the craft of building a good life. And we can do it any number of ways, any number of ways. I feel like that is the perfect segue to our last and closing question. Sure. Dr. Christine, when and where do you feel most like yourself? Oh, that's a beautiful question. <laughs> I would say the first thing that comes to mind is when I'm dancing and I'm just going to stick with that one. A side response to that is when I'm with people, I'm very mm. much an extroverted person, but beyond that, I really love people and I love being with people. I don't very much prefer being by myself, although I'm now more used to being alone sometimes and enjoying that more. I used to not enjoy that. So mm. I love dancing. I always have, I've always done it informally and I've always done it with other people. So it's always a group class or some sort of fun hip hop side gig during graduate school. I've always been dancing for the several decades informally for, I think, release of energy, but also a gathering of energy, right? And mm. it's, it's really like elation for me. And I think I like to feel that way. I like to feel like I'm in movement, creating at the same time with other people and feeling very high vibe. So that's where I feel I think most myself now that I think about it. So thanks for the question. What wow. about you? That is amazing. And I, I love the multifaceted nature, just complete permission to 
offer that, you know, and to yeah. allow that to be something that lights you up. I would yeah. have to say one of the things, there's a few, there's nature for me and adventure sports. I love like rock climbing and snowboarding and traveling. I always feel most like myself, even at an airport. Like walking into an airport, I just feel everything shed and there I am. <laughs> and also dancing, but specifically to Latin music. That's when I feel right. most like myself. And yeah, yeah I'll leave it at that. High too. vibe. For High sure, vibe. Yeah, right? yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Especially coming from Jersey. It's like there is that little part where, where it sits at home. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful questions. Wonderful experience being interviewed and known by you. So thank you so much, Violet. You've done an amazing job here. Oh, thank you so much for taking the time. And that's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Dr. Christine Lee as much as I did. You can follow Dr. Lee on all of the socials at Procrastination Coach to Learn how to ditch the guilt, judgment, and self-sabotaging and unhelpful habits so that you can feel focused and fulfilled in your life. If you loved what you heard today, I would really appreciate a five-star written review on iTunes, sharing your experience and how these episodes and conversations land for you. And if you want to take it one step further, send me a message because I love hearing from you. And you can even tag this episode in your stories at Expand and Impact. We have a big goal of reaching and connecting 1 million women who have a desire to learn, grow, and live and lead from a place of alignment, confidence, self-trust, authenticity, and inner peace. And by sharing this episode with friends and colleagues, you can help us reach this audacious goal. This is how generational change happens, one woman reclaiming her voice and her power at a time. As always, take what resonates and leave what doesn't. Cheers to your health, wealth, and happiness, and I can't wait to catch you in the next episode. Remember, expansive education plus inspired action equals an impactful life. Go ahead and follow me on Instagram at expandandimpact. 